St. Warburg's Derby. I want to begin to make your way back to your seats. And you can enjoy donuts while we listen to me, I guess. Um, if you don't know me, uh, my name's Andy. I'm the Associate Minister here at St. Werburgh's. Really good to see so many faces I don't recognise. I was standing near the door uh, this evening. Just people kept coming through. I'm like, oh, I don't know you. Have you been here for long? And lots of students. Really exciting to see. But I'm just going to pray for us before we begin. Father God, we want to say thank you for tonight. God, thank you for time of worship. Thank you for time together. Lord, would you open our ears to what you've got for us this evening. Amen. Last week, I was uh, working hard at my computer and I went to open a, a new web page. And you know, occasionally you get these clickbait articles and uh, one of them baited me and I clicked. And uh, basically it was to do with a guy called Shug Knight who uh, is an American rap mogul and he got sentenced to uh, a number of years in prison. Now, looking around, I can see by saying the name Shug Knight, it means nothing to almost anybody in the room. Uh, but, thank you, Zach. Was that Zach? I don't know. Um, <laughs> whoever that was. Um, but to me, it took me back about 23 years into the mid-1990s. It took me back to being a teenager. And you see, what I used to do around those times, I was really passionate about basketball. I used to play basketball a lot. I didn't used to play for the school team, but there was a court down in Charlton in South East London, and I used to go down there with my mates, and we used to wear basketball jerseys, and we would, uh, we'd watch films about basketball, like White Men Can't Jump, which was quite apt for me. Um, although I could touch the ring, actually, at some point I managed to get high enough, which is amazing. Um, we used to uh, go running, we used to lift weights to try and be fit enough and strong enough to kind of play basketball, which is a non-contact sport, but if you've ever played it, it's sometimes not that non-contacted. Um, but we used to listen to rap. We used to listen to a lot of rap music. It was just kind of part and parcel of what you did. And so this name, Shug Knight, was really relevant to me because he formed Death Row Records and they signed Tupac and Snoop and all these guys. And so I was like, oh my goodness, that guy. And I kind of remembered that. And it took me back to playing basketball. And the thing was, when I used to play basketball in this court, I felt like I belonged. I felt like when I was there, that was a community of people playing basketball, wearing the stuff, I belong there. And my question to each of us in the room this evening is, where have you or where do you feel like you belong? Where have you or where do you feel like you belong? You see, we've just heard it said, but at the words we've got a vision to build an authentic community, which is Christ-centered, that plays its part in transforming the city and beyond. Now, maybe you're here tonight for the first time, and if so, you are so, so welcome here with us. Maybe you joined last September and you've come occasionally or you've come regularly, or maybe you joined us at some point in between. But our vision, our desire is that this can be a home, a community where every person can belong. But community can be hard. And there was a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was very important in resisting the Nazis. Nazis. He was a German pastor in World War II. And uh, sadly, he was executed just before the end of the war because of his part in resisting Hitler. And he wrote a lot about community. 
And he said, Christian community is not an ideal we have to realize, but rather a reality created by God in which we may participate. Christian community is not an ideal which we have to realize, but rather a reality created by God in which we may participate, which is good news for us because often community can be really hard. Now, it'd be really good, I think, to dive into see what the Bible says about it and see what St. Paul wrote about it in particular. He writes about community and belonging and being part of that stuff. So if you've got a Bible here tonight, I'd encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got a Bible app or a tablet, Ephesians chapter 4. And if you haven't got one and you don't own one, can I encourage you to come and speak to Phil or myself? We believe that this book is the most important book in the world and that reading it genuinely will change your life. So if you don't have one, come and tell us and we'll give you one. But if you don't have one this evening, it will also appear up on the screen for us. So it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, just to catch you up, if you don't know, never heard of Ephesians before, what's an Ephesian? Well, Ephesians is a letter written to the church in Ephesus. If you're a person who takes your holidays in Turkey, it's kind of near Bodrum or Altinkum and you go north. About 10 years ago, my wife and I, we spent a sweltering day wandering around Ephesus. Just incredible to stand there in this place that's mentioned in the Bible. You're standing in this amphitheater and you think, oh my goodness, this is the place where the riot kicked off and Paul was there. Just amazing to be there, but it was flipping hot. Um, now, in this letter that Paul wrote, he spends the first half of it telling about the truths of the good news. The good news, which is the gospel. Gospel means good news. Good news means gospel. And he tells us that as Christians, if people followers of Jesus, they've moved from death to life. He says that you're adopted as children of God. He says that you're recipients of the gifts that God has given you, his grace, and he hammers home the beauty of these truths of the gospel. That's what one to three is about. But it may be that you're sitting there thinking, Andy, do you know what? I'm sitting here this evening. I already thought I was alive. Like, I'm, I'm alive. What do you mean moving from death to life? Or, you know, you're talking about grace, but I thought grace was something that the religious people did before they ate a meal. And if that is you here this evening, then I want to encourage you, as Phil said, to come along Wednesday night. Come to Alpha, ask the questions, find out about Jesus. We would love to have you there. Alpha's not really for people that are church people that have kind of been around for ages. It's for people who are kind of on the fringe or people that are outside. We'd love you to come and uh, debate and discuss and argue and you know, just have fun. That's what Alpha's about. So we'd love to see you there on Wednesday. But anyway, um, so after these first three chapters, Paul's laying out these, these incredible truths. And then he says, Do you know, in light of these things, 
we should live differently. You see, because you've got a new identity, you should have a new lifestyle. And so Paul says, therefore, or then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then in our reading this evening, Paul explains how the church has different roles. People in church have different roles. Because he talks about the church, he talks about the body of Christ, which can be confusing if you've not heard that before. If you're a church person, then body of Christ, you immediately think of church. But if you're outside, you think, what's the body of Christ? It's the church. And he talks about pastors and apostles and prophets and evangelists. And all of those things are there to build up the church to maturity. So that when you're sitting there and you're sitting on YouTube and Richard Dawkins pops up or some kind of YouTube atheist, you're like, oh my goodness, this isn't true. So when you're down the pub with your mates or your family or colleagues and they say, do you know what, that's a load of rubbish. Jesus married Mary, married Mary Magdalene and they had a kid and what you believe is a load of rubbish. We don't get kind of blown every which way. When some guy stands up the front and says something that isn't from this thing, you're like, wait a minute, I'm not going to be blown every which way by what you're saying. That's what we're aiming for, maturity. People that understand and know God and live in the way that Jesus lived. And so that's kind of a general view of what Paul is doing in this bit here. But what about us at Werbs at 2018 in Derby? Well, our question for us tonight is, what does it look like for me, for you, to belong here? How do we participate? How do we play our part here? You see, for me, on the basketball court, it was about wearing the clothes, it was about listening to the music, it was about having the language, it was about watching the films. But actually, above that, it was about me playing basketball. And on some days, my game was good, and I was hitting, you know, kind of hitting the threes from, the way, from all the way back, and I was loving it, and it was just amazing. But then there were other days when I was not on my game and I couldn't hit anything. I was throwing up bricks and the whole thing was a mess. And then there were times when these guys would come down from Brixton and they'd be like six foot six, have gold teeth, they have dreads and they'd be 360 dunking. I'd be like, oh my goodness, um, I think I'm in the wrong place. I think I'm in the wrong place. And then at that point, I felt like I was on the outside looking in. I didn't feel like I belonged anymore. Two years ago, Rach and I, uh, my wife, we went to Focus, which is the thing that Phil mentioned. And we only went for one day. We only had a day we could go to it. And we were there in the morning meeting. And this guy, Johnny Gumbel, he, he's one on the team down at Brighton, the, the, the church that they started down there a number of years ago. And he started talking about uh, something that C.S. Lewis wrote. C.S. Lewis is the guy who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He wrote this essay called The Inner Ring or The Inner Circle. And he said that, Basically, well, I've got a little diagram actually for us. If we can get it up, that'd be amazing. Ah, here we go, in a circle, and we'll, we'll move on. So what happens is wherever you go, there's an inner circle. So if you imagine, some of you don't have to imagine, but if you imagine when you're at school, or when you're at uni, or when you're in the office, there's a kind of an inner ring of people. It might be the cool kids that go out and party a lot. It might be the executives in the boardroom that you know you're not privy to that information. It might be the people that you think, oh, do you know what, I'd just love to be part of that. And so everywhere you go, there is an inner ring. But the problem is, let's say you somehow make that step into this inner ring, you suddenly discover there's another ring of people. Maybe it might even be here at Werbs. You, you feel part of Werbs, but actually you realize there are some people that maybe go out on a Wednesday evening, or you're not part of that, or there's some people that go out for coffee on a Thursday afternoon, or there's some people that go out for drinks on a Saturday night. And you're not part of that group. So, you know, but then you become part of that group. And then you find out, ah, 
there's another circle. You see there's people that go out with friends and they go out for dinner and they're Instagramming their dinners and you see that and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm not part of that group. There's another ring I want to get into and then we go on and we get another inner circle. And so whenever we get into another circle, we find there's another one we want to get into and that desire drives us and ultimately can destroy us. But you know, I've got some good news for us this evening. Because at the center of the universe is another circle. And that circle is the Father, it's the Son, and it's the Holy Spirit. And do you know what? If you know and follow Jesus, then you are described as being in Christ. And that means that you find yourself at the center of the circle. You don't need to be driving and designed to get into the inner circle. You are already in the most important circle in the history of the universe. So do you know what that does for us? It means we can stop worrying about stepping into that next circle. And we can turn around and we can start going, oh, do you know what? I I know you feel a little bit on the margins. Can I just bring you in? Or this person over here, do you know I see you're a little bit lonely. Can I, can I just bring you into to here so that you feel like you belong? Or this person over here, can I just, just bring you in? You, have, you stop worrying about yourself getting into the next ring, the next circle, and you begin to look outwards and bring other people in. That's what it releases us from, knowing that we are in Christ, in the inner circle. 500 years ago, the church used to have an inner circle. And it was made up of priests and monks and bishops. They were the kind of the inner circle, if you like. Now, I know that you here are not under that illusion because you've met Phil and you've met me, and you know that we're not more important than you guys. You know that we're not more holy than you guys. We, we do try. Sometimes we're just trying. But, you know, you know that basically we're on the same level. But 500 years ago, they didn't really know that. And this guy, Martin Luther, came along and he, came, he realized that the Bible talks about this priesthood of all believers. It means that by virtue of your baptism, you are a priest. You have access to God. You are part of this stuff. And Paul is talking about that in Ephesians 4. Every single one of us here can be a, is, is a prophet or a, or a pastor or a teacher or an apostle or an evangelist. Actually, all of us here are here to equip one another for the works of ministry, both in here and outside the church. Not just for Phil and me, but for every single one of us. One of my old vicars down in Penge used to say, everyone has a part to play. In fact, I think that he would have it on his tombstone. He said it again. I used to wind him up about it because it would come up every other sermon. Be like, oh, it's like Phil with the vision statement. But like, oh, yeah, I think I know where you're going, Nick. Everyone's got a part to play. Yeah, that's, it would almost be his kind of landing thing every week. But it's true. Everyone has a part to play. One famous church leader a number of decades back used to say that everyone gets to play, so play nicely and share the toys. So practically... How do we do that here at Werbs? Well, last week, Phil used a flip chart, and I'm not going to subject you to that um, because my scribbling is rubbish. He, he did say to me, he said, Andy, it was just an arrow. I said, yeah, I know, it's all right. But I've got another little diagram for us, so hopefully you can see it. And I want you to know, this, this is not that we're trying to put some formula on you that we think, yeah, if we get this formula right, then everything's going to be okay. It's about, we believe that every single person that walks in here is loved by God. They're made in his image. They are valuable. And we want them to, at the very, very least, when they walk out that door, to know that. 
And the problem is, in a, a room this size with this many people, people can easily get missed. So our, our, our longings, if you are here for the first time, or somebody comes here for the first time, our first thing that we want to happen is we just want them to return. And that means it's the job of every single person in this room to encourage and welcome and love so that somebody might return. You see, you might be sitting here thinking, oh, but I'm new. Yeah, but you've been here two months. You know where the toilets are. You know what time we start. You know that we're going to have worship, and then we're going to have some notices and some prayers, and then we're going to have some teaching, and then we're going to have some prayer, and you know roughly what time we finish. You know more than the person that's just walked in off the street who doesn't know what's going on. So you're the person that can be the welcomer. We just want people to return. But let's say, and I know some of you are here for the second time because I spoke to you as you walked in this morning. This morning? This evening? Some of you did walk in this morning. Um, but actually, let's say somebody comes in for the second time. We know that, we, that the thing that keeps people in churches is relationship. You see, when I played basketball, sometimes it was cold and I didn't feel like I could be bothered to go down there. But actually, I felt part of this community. I began to get to know the people that were down there. And so something that would often draw me there, even when I couldn't be that bothered, was that these guys, I knew them and I had relationship with them. And so we want people to develop relationship. I think back to a friend of mine uh, in, in our early 20s. And uh, we knew his sister really well. She was part of our young adults group. And uh, she brought her twin brother along with her one evening. And we hadn't met him before. Now, he's a lovely guy, but he was very shy. He was bullied in school, and he had no mates. And we got to know him. We began to, he began to hang out with us. He began to come to the pub with us. He began to socialize with us. He began to come to the gym with us. And we, to be honest, we taught him how just to hang out with people because he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how that worked. And I remember one evening, he was sitting there in Rachel's and my living room, and we were watching a film because he didn't really do that either, and we thought, right, we're going to educate him with some good films. And it was about 10.30 at night, and his mum called up, and he, she was like, Pete, where are you? Like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just over at Andy and Rachel's. Because wasn't, she wasn't used to him doing that. He just didn't go out. He didn't do anything. But do you know what? Over time, he began to develop relationship with us and this young adults group. And as he began to develop a relationship with us, do you know what happened? He began to develop a relationship with Jesus. And it's just amazing looking at this guy now. You know, he, he's, he's, he's sociable. He's meeting with others. He, 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 you know, just, in, just a changed person compared to 15 years ago. Just incredible change in his life. But it started with building relationship. But then there's a danger, isn't there? Particularly in a largest church you can just quite easily become a consumer. And we're a culture that is a consumer culture. We're in an individualistic culture. So it's the danger that we just come, up, come to church and we, we just show up. And actually, the next part is how do we move from being a regular, sorry, how do we move from just being a regular attender to being a member of WORBS? Now, I don't know if anybody knows what football club that is. It does say it on it, so you might be able to guess. I wouldn't have known if it didn't have it written in it. But it's Paris Saint-Germain. And I know Matt White was really excited about this because Liverpool beat them a few weeks ago in a big game, he tells me. Um, <laughs> thanks, Pastor. Um, a big deal for him. Now, why have I put this up on the screen? Because Paris Saint-Germain are known as PSG. And how do we take responsibility? How do we find a place that we belong at Werbs? PSG. Pray, serve, give. Pray, serve, give. 
And so if you really want to belong here, the first thing I want to encourage you, I want to urge you, like the Apostle Paul talks about, to do is to be a prayer. Paul says in Ephesians, he says, praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You see, prayer is crucial to us as individuals, but it's also crucial to us as a church. And then it's crucial to our city if we're going to see God move. The hard thing is putting it into action. You see, our phones, our sleep, our essay deadlines, our work commitments, our kids, if we're blessed to have them, um, whatever we, goes on in our life, those things can stop us from praying. Now, I don't normally recommend podcasts, but I want to recommend Church of the City, a guy called John Tyson, done a big series on prayer. Church of the City, John Tyson. I'll put it up on uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff this week. Have a listen to that. It's a long series talking about prayer, and he can do much more in that time than I can just do in a few minutes here. But his first suggestion, I'm just going to give you three things. How do we put prayer into action this week? First thing is pray what you've got. You see, so often we're so guilty about not praying that we think, oh my goodness, I can't pray. Or we think, I've only got five minutes to pray this morning. Or, you know, I feel really low. Well, actually, that doesn't matter. Pray what you've got. If you've just got five minutes, pray for your five minutes as you get up in the morning. If you just feel really low, take one of the Psalms that talks about feeling low and tell God about it. He knows anyway. Or, you know, if you're really struggling in some area of life, just pray what you've got. Don't worry about what you can't do. Pray what you can. Pray what you've got. Secondly, pray with others. For me personally, I find it easier to pray with others than on my own. I've started using some old school Church of England type prayers because it stops my brain going all over the place when I'm on my own. But I, I find it much easier to pray with other people. And so can I encourage you, set a time to meet with some other people from here to get together and pray. I, 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 when I was in my old... Um, one of my old churches, quite a long time ago now, there, there was a kind of a twice a week early morning prayer. And quite often there would only be two of us there. Now I've got to tell you, it wasn't because I was deeply spiritual that I managed to make it most days. It was because I knew that the other person would probably be on their own sitting in the room having got up an hour earlier than they normally would if I didn't go. So actually meeting with others can hold you to account and can stir you to pray. So can I encourage you to find others to pray with? I, I, I'm privileged in my role. I get to go for coffee with people and pray with people regularly. But I know for most of us in the room, it's not like that. We have to carve out specific time to do that. So pray what you've got. Pray with others. And pray regularly. Like we don't kind of just go, oh, do you know, I don't feel like brushing my teeth this evening. I'm just going to leave it. We pray after we eat in the morning. Pray. We brush our teeth after we eat in the morning. We brush our teeth after we eat in the evening. We just kind of, it's part of our routine. Otherwise, our teeth fall out. So I, can I encourage you to build in, be specific, be intentional. Put some reminders on your phone. Put some reminders on your calendar. Put some sticky notes up on your mirrors. Whatever you do that will help you to make a regular time of prayer, just do it. And if you set it, don't set for three hours this week in the morning because you'll fail miserably. Or you might do it for the first day and then you'll give up. It's like the gym in January. But actually, just... Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Build up. Build up your prayer stamina, if you like. But do it. Pray regularly. Those are three quick things. That's the P. The S. The serve. The, another way to get stuck in at Werbs is to serve. Tim Matthews uh, wrote a book recently called Love Church. And it's the story of the church plant that they did down in Bournemouth. 
And he talks, it's, just in, it's a great book to read, actually, if, if, if you like reading. Um, but he talks about the church there. And he has this analogy for the church. He says, guys, St. Swithin's isn't a cruise ship. St. Swithin's is a battleship. And do you know what the difference between a battleship and a cruise ship is? A battleship has no passengers. Everyone who's there is part of the crew and has a part to play. It's like Paul says in Ephesians 4, all of us, apostles, teachers, prophets, evangelists, pastors, you know, just seeking to mature one another. On the battleship, everyone's a member of the crew. And that's what we want words to be like. We're not carrying passengers. If you're a guest this evening, you are so welcome here tonight. But if you're part of Worbs, you're part of the crew. And we want to encourage you to get stuck in. Now, I've got a couple of caveats to that. Even on a battleship, they have a sick bay. And I know that there are some people who've come to Worbs because actually they're hurting, they're broken, they're exhausted. And if that's you, you are so welcome. We always, as a church, need to be a place of hope and of healing and of compassion and of care. There will always be a sick bay on our battleship. But for the rest of us, you're the crew. And that means the crew gets stuck in. And what does that look like practically? There are loads of teams that do stuff here at Worbs. There's the guys you see up the front. There's the tech team. There's the hospitality team that give out donuts. There's the people that scrub the toilets. There's people that put out chairs. There's the doors team. There's all sorts of different teams. And can I encourage you, don't wait to be asked. Because, do you know what, when I ask people, they're like, oh yeah, actually I could give that a go. Can I, I can't, we can't get round everybody to ask you. So can I, can I ask you now, personally, hear me here, to, to, sign, to just drop us an email, put something on the back of one of the Connect forms and say, do you know what, I'd love to be on doors once a month. Because we need 58 people. If we've got seven in the morning, seven in the evening, once a month, that works out as 58 people. It's a lot of people to do doors if you're going to do it just once a month. Can I ask you, to, to, it's an easy way in. That's our serve. That's our S. And the final one, PSG, pray, serve, give. A few weeks ago, I spoke with somebody who said they went to a church where for three weeks in a row, I think it was, they spoke about money. Now, we're not going to do that. We're not going to speak for three weeks about money. I hope you are relieved to find out. But actually, our worship of God, yes, it's about our time, it's about our energy, it's about our song, it's about our lifestyle, but it is also about our money. And part of maturing in Christ is recognizing that God is Lord even of our wallets. Now, I need to say we are so, so grateful for the amount of cash that people have given in the last year. There's probably a better way of saying that, actually, but it's true. The money that people have given. We bought this building a few weeks ago because of the sacrificial generosity of people who are members of St. Wordbooks. So thank you so, so much. But actually, in a traditional Church of England church, do you know what they say? At the end of the offering, the offering goes around, they bring it up to the front and the pastor, the vicar, he takes it and he, uh, he or she will say, all things come from you and of your own do we give you. God, everything we've got clothes on my back, the money in my wallet, or the lack of it, the car I drive, the house I live in, whatever it is that you do or don't own, everything you have is his anyway. So we're only giving back to him what he already gave to us first. We can't outgive him. And so can I ask you, I've got my kind of practical thing for this week, and this is hard, can I ask you to have a look at your bank statement, either online or a paper one if you're kind of old school, and have a look at it this week. 
and say, do you know what? If a stranger was to see this, and I'm not asking you to show it to a stranger, don't you worry. We're, in, we're British, we won't do that. Can I ask you to have a look at it? And say, do you know, if we were to give this to a stranger, would the stranger know that you're a follower of Jesus by how you use your money? Would your bank account be a good witness to him? And do you know, it's really easy to stand on a stage when there's light shining down and say to people, oh yeah, look at your bank account statement. You know, I'm preaching to myself as well. It's a challenge to me. So don't feel I'm just standing up kind of preaching it at you. Can I encourage you to do that this week? And there are standing order forms and all that stuff on chairs. Because I know the other thing is sometimes we're just forgetful. It's not that we don't want to give. We just don't get round to giving. So I can encourage you to think and pray about that. So PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, pray, serve, give. That's how we take responsibility and play our part here at St. Werberg's. As I come into land... I'm aware this can sound like a whole bunch of stuff. Oh my goodness, I've got to go out of here. I've got to do all this stuff. But I want to take us back to something else that Paul says in the middle of Ephesians. The middle of Ephesians. He says this. He says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. You see, praying and serving and giving, it's not about earning God's favor or God's love. You've already got it but it's about responding to the love that he's given you. And you see, as we do that, as we come to realize that identity and all that he's given us, and we begin to live differently, our lives will change, the lives of our families will change, the lives of our colleagues and co-workers will change, the lives of our streets, the neighbors that we live, live alongside will change. And do you know what? Even our city may well begin to change because we're longing to see the transformation of this city and beyond.